0: Amen. Thank you, Praise the Lord, Praise the Lord. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity to come here with your children and to worship you in freedom to learn of you and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you're here with us, that your angels are present and camped round about us, and that your will is being done in this place. We thank you that your healing power is present to heal everyone here where they, wherever where they hurt and all those who will hear this message in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been talking about some wonderful things. We finished the year off with reflections, reflected on the good, celebrating with God and the things that weren't so good, and helping Him, asking Him to help us to to grow in the areas where we haven't been willing and to release the things we've been holding on to so tightly that might not be of Him. And then last week, new beginnings, Amen. Yes. New beginnings in God and and uh, learning what this meant what this means, you know this 2016 which means love and loving 16 is a number for love and loving so it's a great year lots of great things in store for us and for everybody who knows god amen and we're looking forward to helping a lot of others who don't know him yet to come to the knowledge of him and to and to be saved i didn't i'd ask everybody to just pray and ask the Lord to keep you sensitive to his promptings, the Holy Spirit to keep you sensitive to his promptings, to, to invite others to come here to uh, to learn of him and to hear the word and to to come into worship where you come. You know, if you think that you're here because God wants you to be here and that you think that uh, that you're being fed here properly. And what I mean is the manna from heaven that you're learning and growing. Then you should want that for others, and if you're not, then maybe you know. <laughs> I, people come to me and they talk about leaving or whatever. I, I never say don't do that. I say, what's God saying? Because you should be here for starters, because He told you. If you're not, then you haven't really done that properly. But if you if you're going to leave, the same thing. You know, it should be because God has told you He needs you or assigning you somewhere else. So God God has a plan for every part of your life. Amen, amen. Yeah, that's right. And so we're learning. I, when I'm going to start on a little bit of a series, maybe just week, maybe two weeks. If it's a week, it won't be a series. But if I don't make the make the uh, make it all the way through today, which I won't, it'll be a little bit of a series. But called "Follow Me," and uh, I think you can figure out what I'm talking about. It's just uh, that's a that's a message, a two word message to you from the Lord. Jesus Christ saying follow me and we're going to look into that see what that means what it looks like and a little bit about the how to's which everybody's so interested in always the how to's and it's so hard to show them that there's a lot of how to's in the bible but it's Christianity's not a how to it's not a how to and so I had a dream one time I've had a lot of dreams thankfully <laughs> but this one particular time I'd already been a pastor, um, for, uh, a year or two, a couple of years, and, uh, I was really trying to navigate those waters, figure out what that meant, everybody was calling me pastor, and everywhere I went, they were ordaining me into a new system of beliefs, I guess, I don't know, but I, I was very aware that it was a real thing, and I was just caught up in it, you know, it was gone, but, uh, he was <laughs> raising me up, and and uh, and I, I shared with you last week some of the wonderful things how he has manifested himself to me and spoken to me and and showed himself to me, and I'm blessed by that. Um, another time, around that time, I was going from one church to another, and uh, here I was, but you know, it just I knew it wasn't right. But God has timing, and He has He He was raising me up, and He was doing different things, and He was He was allowing me to experience some things, and and all just for a future time, I believe, you know. And even if uh, some of it wasn't of Him, you know, there is a promise from God for those of us who love Him or are called according to His purpose that He will use all that for good. And that's what He was doing. But but me being the spoiled child that I am. I had been asking him during this time, you know, after one place, and I went to another, and then, oh, you're the pastor here, brand new office, brand new church, and all that, and then it just didn't seem like I was, and it it was just not the right place, it wasn't the right teaching, all the things he was showing me, I would preach, and they would get back up there and undermine everything I said, it was just a hard time for me, and I said, Lord... I love you. I invited you into my life and my home, and I told you if you came, I would never ask you to leave, and I won't. I won't. I'll serve you forever. But can I just go make money? Can I just go do whatever? <laughs> you know, do I, is, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be a preacher? And this was a sincere question, and he came to me in a dream. Um, and I was in a familiar place from my childhood In, a, in a, a courtyard, so to speak Where I was very familiar Playing when I was a young, uh, young boy And he was walking with me across this courtyard We were walking side by side Which was a good thing <laughs> And uh, I was so happy to see him again And walking with him And, and I was going home He was taking me home and i heard something and felt something whatever and i turned and i looked over my left shoulder and back about 20 feet or so was a crowd maybe you know it looked like this but maybe twice as i don't know there was a bunch of people they're all standing and they were all shoulder to shoulder and they were looking at me and like they were longing you know like and I, I, there there weren't any words, but I can only tell you that I knew what it meant. I knew what it meant. I was going with him, and I looked back at them, and it was like, and I was like, "What about them?" I said, "What about them, Lord?" And he said, "In other words, if you don't, they won't. If you don't preach this word, which is my will for your life." They won't hear this word. They won't be coming with us. Now you decide. And of course there's no decision. To be made at that point. I'd already given my life to him. And everything that entailed. And when I was asked by faithful ministers. Not long after I asked him into my life. Will you surrender all to God? Will you say Yes. I said, "What does that mean? You know, what depends on what he wants." And they said, "No, it's unconditional." Because my question is at the time, after coming out of such a hard, is he going to let me keep, you know, this or that? You know, my my wife, my life. You know, I don't know. They said, <laughs> wow. and I had to simply decide yes. And so did Tavana, and we did that. And but then here I was later. After coming into the ministry. And here I am questioning him again. <laughs> putting out the fleece as it were. And he showed me. And so I made the choice then. I said Lord I need to. I'm going to continue on this journey. And my question to him. My only condition when I went into the ministry. Was Lord you have to teach me. I'm not. Everybody I know, see is divided. I hear this. I want to hear something different. I just turn the channel. You know. You have to teach me. I don't want to just be another preacher. I don't want it for me. I want to know what you have to say. And that's all I want to say. And I believe that he's raised me up in that. I believe that he's been faithful. Even maybe when I, maybe if I didn't hear him so well or something. But any fault lies not with him. It's with me. And I'm thankful for that. And so I said, well, I'm going to continue on this journey. Whatever you have for me, you've answered my question. Now... That's why when there's only two or three people here <laughs> forever and people go, how do you do it? What do you, why do you do it? God doesn't tell me to do anything else. I, I'm, I'm right in the center of his will for my life. You know, I might seek him about how to do it better, or what I could do, just like I was asking him this morning at 5 to 11 when nobody was here. <laughs> I was standing on the uh, sidewalk out there. Lord, what can I do better? What can I do differently to to help, help this situation? If it's me, show me. If it's not, show me what I can do to help, you know. Those are good prayers. <laughs> but I said, Lord, I, I've got to continue on this. So help me learn your ways. If I'm going to do it, I want to know how to do it your way. And... Uh, And so, turn to the book of of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, and let's look at, we're going to be in the seventh chapter, around the, let's say around the 21st verse. I just want to kind of lay a little groundwork here. This is all Jesus talking, and this is an amazing, amazing time in Jesus' life. Jesus was baptized. He went into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days. He came out, and he immediately began his amazing ministry. He went and chose his disciples. And then he goes up on this sermon on the mount, as it were. And for three chapters, it's, it's Jesus. Just like at the end of John and the... like. 14, 15, which I love so much. But he had a lot to say on that that last night of his life. And this was the beginning of his ministry. He had a lot to say. And so this is one of the places I went when I wanted to learn what his ways were, his, his will, his ways, because he, he lays it out pretty clearly about who he was and how holy he is. Oh, my God. And he started with what they call the Beatitudes. And he went for chapter after chapter after chapter. About how we are to be. Talking about things like. How blessed people are. When when they are. Completely unlike the world. You know. (laughs) Completely opposite of the world. You're blessed. Basically. And he taught them that there is salt and light. in, In this world. and You know to do that. To be salt. We have to get out of the salt shaker a little bit. We have to be talking it up. We were talking on Thursday night about how we ministers are given to the church as a, as a gift. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. To teach his children for the, to prepare them and raise them up for the work of the ministry. So the church body is the one who's supposed to be working the ministry. Out there. You see? It's been relegated to, oh, somebody needs prayed for. Oh, we'll get the pastor. You know? Wait, well, no. You know how to pray? <laughs> but I don't have to tell you guys that. You're learning. You all have this relationship with the, some of the different levels. But this, it's all about the relationship with Jesus, isn't it? And that's what he began to teach me. He showed me all these wonderful things about do this, don't do that. And the Beatitudes, and it's like, oh, my God, that's that's almost like the Ten Commandments. Only only he made it stronger. You know, he said things like, you know, you've heard not to you've heard, uh, you know, not to kill. Well, I'm telling you right now, just your anger is murder sometimes. (laughs) Things like that. like, Like if you already weren't overwhelmed and knew you needed a savior, you would after you heard him preach the Beatitudes. It's beautiful. But to be able to do this in your own strength can be overwhelming. He taught them how to pray. Then he came to, he talked about giving, about keeping your mind focused on the kingdom of God. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven instead of here on earth. That you can't serve two masters, God and money. Not to be anxious for anything. But right here is what I wanted to teach, teach you, because this is where he led me. He said, first of all, to beware of false prophets. And this is thing I was going through. As any, uh, anyone that comes into the kingdom who really seeking God, the church is very fractured yeah. and splintered. And you see all the divisions of man within the church. And now there's good everywhere, and God will save you. I don't care where you're sitting if you really want his truth and you really want him. I don't care what denomination or background or anything else. If you really want God, he's going to be there for you. But it doesn't take long to see that it's very splintered. And these are all the divisions of man, not of God. Jesus, one of his final prayers was about the unity of us all and that that's how they would recognize us Our love one for another but he says look out for, for false prophets and he said you'll be able to tell them he taught me through this word right here you're going to be able to tell them by their fruit and well my wife had just made a new calendar called the fruit of the spirit calendar so I was very aware I had memorized the fruit of the spirit so I know what to look for and what a teaching produces in me when I hear it you know Some teaching, if you hear legalism, it doesn't make you, it doesn't give you peace. Do this, don't do that. It's, it rubs us wrong because it's not for the children of God. We will, we will exceed it. We will exceed the laws of God, but they're not to be put before us. If that makes sense. We will exceed those laws just like Jesus is talking about by the beatitude. By our faith. He says look out for these false prophets. And then he says. Not everyone who says to me. Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father. Who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me. Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name. And cast out demons in your name. And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus, just a couple pages back, when he started his ministry, in the end of the fourth chapter, it says, Jesus went around throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them all. And so these people did the same thing. We know that's his will even today. And he said, I never knew you. You're not getting in. What's going on here? I needed to know.
1: <laughs> because I
0: just told him if I'm gonna do this, I want to do it your way. I read all these things. He says, Do this, don't do that. He made it's like throughout the Beatitudes, he made the Ten Commandments even even more strict. I said, That's what you that's your will. Now you said these people didn't know you. And then he goes on. He says in the 24th verse, he said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, again, about doing, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. Jesus. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. We know something with a strong foundation. If you live in Texas, if you haven't had foundation problems on your house, you will. <laughs> You've either had foundation work done or you're going to. But what do they do when you have foundation? Do they tear it all out? you have to move, get another house? No. They go down. They dig deeper and put more stabilizing concrete. But they get down. They try to find some bedrock, something solid. And they jack it up and put it on that so that it's got a better foundation, you see. He said, those who build on my word, those are the one on the rock. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. I read that <laughs> and I said, Lord, I noticed something. I said both of them built their house both of them went to this trouble of building the whole house a lot of work a lot of work one of it was solid and the other one didn't count for anything I said don't let me be that one don't let me be that one I want to build on you so again you, you have to teach me you have to show me what this means. (laughs) They both built their house. Right before that, people had been about. These were religious. These were church people, basically, standing before him on Judgment Day saying, not only we preached in your name, we prophesied in your name. We healed people in your name. And you don't know us at all. We're not, we're going to hell. I don't want that part. I don't want to build my house. I don't want my life's work to be for nothing. I want it to be based on you, founded on you. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be to the left or to the right. I want my life and everything that I do to be grounded and founded upon you. The strong foundation. And I'm holding you accountable for my life. think that's out of line? No, it's a good move. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Why is it why is that not arrogant and 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 out of line to talk to God that way? When it's coming from your heart. Because it tells him, "I know you are the only one who can do this, who can show me, and I know you are the foundation I need, but I need your help. And I'm counting on you." That's faith. That's his disciples said, struggled with this too. I asked him in John six twenty eight, What must we do to do the works that God requires? You remember his answer? This is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. That's what he said. Belief. Belief is what the Lord desires from us. And it has to be the root of all of our actions. You see? Proper action, doing good, doing the right thing, without faith as the motive. It's just legalism. And it won't earn you anything. This is this is this is key to your Christian life. This is what everybody, everybody struggles with. If you can get this, you'll be at the place where Ashley will be in two years from now going to that school. She can get it now. You can get it now. Everybody struggles with it. (laughs) Mature or baby Christians struggle with this. Sometimes it's just fleeting like I was talking about. You kind of see it and then it goes away again. Other times it's just, and it can become a full-blown revelation that you just, you you get it. (gasps) Daddy, I see. You. Mm-hmm. Proper believing based on faith will produce the works, the desired works, inside and out. No dirty inside of the cup, Diane. Right. right? If we just, if we just outwardly, no benefit. Why? God looks upon the heart. Man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks on the heart. He took me to Numbers chapter 22. Oh, I hope you get this. Maybe you already have it. It took me a while, but believe me, redundancy is good in God. If you already know it, if you already have a revelation of it, You understand your Christian life, your Christian walk. You know who you are. There's no identity crisis. You are stronger than horseradish in your faith. You have faith that can move mountains and a love for God and his people that is unfathomable. Still good to hear this. Numbers chapter 22. We're going to be around... I'm not going to read all this. Probably around the twentieth verse or something like that. I'll start up, but I'll just give you a little background, okay? Synopsis. You like cliff notes? I'll give you the cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just give me the meat, you know. Uh, Israel, the the children of Israel, the Hebrew children, had come out of slavery. There have been out in the wilderness for 40 years. They're now on their second approach to the promised land. They're kicking everybody's butt. God's with them. <laughs> oh, man. And now, here they are at Moab, right out by Jericho, right on the banks of the Jordan. And 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 the king of Moab, his name is... Uh, Balak. Balak. And he's scared, and he's got all these naysayers whispering in his ear, too, about, and these these zebras, they're going to eat up the land like locusts. They're they're beating everybody out there, and now they're going to come and destroy us. So he believes it, and that's what he, and he's afraid. So what does he do? He calls uh, basically a warlock, a a, a witch, what they call a uh someone that does uh, yeah like a sorcerer someone who does spells and curses and stuff like that his name's Balaam he sends for Balaam because he knows that he tells him I know who you cursed they're cursed and and who you bless are blessed although he wasn't a believer he was a, he was involved in some stuff okay and apparently it had some success. And so he wants him to stand up on this mountain and curse is curse the the Israelites, and then he says, "I can then, I, if a curse is upon them, then I can go in and beat them." You know. And Balaam says, and, and "They sent. He sent a lot of money for him to do this. There's a price for this." And uh, the Lord appears to him and says, uh-uh, "Don't don't even think about it. <laughs> Those are my people." Don't even think about it. So he goes back and he tells these these people that came from from Balak. He says, "Uh, uh-uh, I can't." He goes, he he goes. He, he realized the power of God, even though he wasn't a believer. He said, "I can't. He, he, no matter what you do for me, I can't because God God won't allow me." And so he sends more money he sends them back with all this basically anything you want all the money you could ask for is yours just just curse these people he says man I'm telling you I can't he already told me no I can't do it and he goes you, 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 you emissaries from this king Balak you, you stay here tonight you stay here tonight I'll see what else he has to tell me though he's already already slipping he should have just listened right I'll see what else God has to tell me, but I'm telling you, I can't do it. So that night, that night, God tells him something. Let's look here. I'm just going to read a little bit. Um, He said, And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise and go with them. Okay, so he told him before, Don't do this, right? But now Balaam is asking him again, and the men are staying overnight. So God goes to him, and he tells him, okay, okay, go with them. If the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. Verse 21. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. Okay, so God told him to go now, right? Hello? Yes. God told him to go with them, right? Now watch. But God's anger was kindled because he went. I just want to make this clear. In, in verse 20, God told him to get up and go with him, didn't he? Yeah. And then in verse 22, God's anger was kindled because he went, right? Okay, you see that. And we know that God is holy and he's not unjust, right? Right? But to me, that was awkward. That was weird. I looked at every version of the Bible I had because he taught me out of the NIV, and I knew there were some problems with that Bible, but I could read it really well, so I learned out of it first. And so I used to, it's, it's not common for me. That's how now I, I check eight different versions of every, everything that I teach. But I went and looked everywhere, and everywhere said the same thing. Told him to go, got mad when he went. I said, Lord, this is weird. What's going on here? Can't I even trust what you tell me? <laughs> but God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. So there's an angel standing on the path that he's on as an, uh, in opposition to him. Well, trust me, we don't want that. <laughs> one angel killed several hundred thousand people one night. And he only stopped because God told him to. (laughs) Uh, You can't can't stand against that kind of power, right? Now, he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road (laughs) with a drawn sword in his hand. He's going to kill Balaam. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. This way he can't get around me this time. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. (laughs) Saved his life. Twice now. He beat her both times. Struck her again. Okay, 25. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall. Okay, 26, then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, (laughs) the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? <laughs> if you don't ever think God can use you, He <laughs> <laughs> used a jackass before to speak to somebody. He right. used a rooster. And Balaam said to the donkey, listen, now he's talking back to the donkey. Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a fool of me, "'I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you.' And the donkey said to Balaam, "'Am I not your donkey, on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? "'Is it my habit to treat you this way?' And he said, "'No.' (laughs) (laughs) Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face.' And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me, or reckless. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know That you stood in the road against me. (coughs) You know. Balaam's story. Exposes. The deception of. Maintaining an outward. Facade of spirituality. Over a corrupt inward life. Basically put. His motives were wrong. God looks on the heart. There was nothing fickle about God here. He told him to go, but he was angry when he went because Balaam got greedy again. He started thinking about everything that the king of Moab could offer him. And basically, it's revealed about Balaam. He, his greed got him. He wanted the things of this world He realized and recognized the power of God, but the temptation was too much. And he started thinking about, I think he was trying to play both sides against the middle. And God said, you're you're being reckless here. You're being reckless. And I see it. It's not going to work. You can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other or vice versa. And ultimately, Balaam's greed got him killed. He went back to uh, he went back to Moab later on, and to to get in on the things the king could give him, the wealth he could get there, the things that he could enjoy in this life. And when the army of Armies of Israel came back in to Moab and destroyed it. He, he was killed too. Motives were wrong. This was a powerful lesson God showed me. He's looking at the heart. It doesn't matter what we do. Outwardly. It's good. To do good. But the motive. The motive. The motive the motivation is essential. Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we know is the love chapter, mm-hmm. some of us have it hanging on our wall because mm-hmm. it's awesome yeah. mm-hmm. it tells us in the first few verses, Of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that no matter what we do, what good we do, we give everything we have to the poor, no matter what we do or what we give, if love is not the motivation, it profits us nothing. Isn't that what Galatians 5, 6 stresses even more? Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. This is talking about the law. Counts for anything. Do this, don't do that. But only faith working through love. So anything matters. All your good deeds. That's good. Now let's look at your heart. Why'd you do it? What motivates you? What's compelling you? To live your life. Why are you here today? Why did you give up your money? Why do you give up your time? Why do you do the things you do? Why do you do the things that you do that aren't trusting God in that area of your life? It's not faith. This is it. This is an This is mandatory. 101 right here the motivation has to be faith. you need the Holy Ghost Amen. you can't do this life without the help of the Holy Spirit. God still loves you still might get to be with him probably see him sooner though. <laughs> Jesus said for I even I came. Down from heaven, not to do my own will, not to do my thing, but to do my father's will who is in heaven. And he came to be the first of many brethren. Our life here, once we come to the knowledge of him, is supposed to be transforming to his likeness. Again, it's like I don't look like Jesus. I'm a girl. I'm a boy. I'm... No, no, no. God is a spirit those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth we look on the outer appearance God looks on the heart in Christ there's neither male nor female slave or free this or that or the other we're all Christ all part of one big body well I'm an ear so I can hear you're just a toe so we were going to walk on you no God said don't do that that toe is important to my body they whisper something in your ear. <laughs> in <the> <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but yes. All right, that's I yes. <laughs> I paraphrase a lot. Revelation 2, 26. Jesus said, Those who do my will to the end, I will give you power over the nations. authority." over the nations. His will is to believe upon Him, His finished work, to live a life of faith. When I return, will I even find faith? That's so sad He said that. And we see that as the Bible predicts that in these last days, there's been a great falling away from the church. I believe the core, the real church, is growing and growing stronger. The falling away that we see is I don't know. Billy Graham says that upwards of 70 some odd percent of people sitting in church are not don't belong to God. I mean you know a lot of people. He's not the only one. A lot of lot of well known ministers. Evangelical and denominational say the same thing. You know that they give percentages. I, I, I can't assume to do that but I know it's a lot. Because I meet church people all the time and I don't i don't see the fruit but again we're just called to be a light not a judge so the motivation is key i got something i want to talk about but already went over time it'll take me another hour and we already gone 47 minutes so i'm going to stop let you guys enjoy the playoffs. For all Hallelujah. you sports fans, I only have two words for you: New quarterback. Go Astros! <laughs> <laughs> <New quarterback>. <laughs> <laughs> did we make the trip today? Did they help you at all? Did, did you hear what yeah. God's trying to say? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, i tell you, <laughs> Lord, thank you for this day and for your precious word. Help us to grow in it. Hold on to this word tightly, water it and help it to grow, protecting it, nurturing it as this seed produces life in our, in our lives and help us to grow up in the knowledge of you and to know you better and to help others to do the same in Jesus name. Amen. You, Did I just say